Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. We've got a lot of awesome stories today, and our first one's from Black Knight 334 Trainee tries to trick me into doing their work for them. Context, in my current role, I'm a product engineer in an engineering team. Since I have a background in industrial design, not engineering, I have a lot of skills that are not typically found with engineers, in my experience anyway, including photography, rendering, and graphic design. Speaking of rendering, this is something I particularly enjoyed and excelled at, having done it professionally for several years now. Today, I've been training someone to do 3D rendering, as I'm about to leave my role at the end of the week. 3D rendering and product photography isn't hard to learn, but it does take a lot of practice to be good at. On a rare occasion, someone may have a natural life for photography. I certainly didn't. It took practice and time. Trying to explain this to a manager who doesn't care for photography is certainly interesting. For this project, I was assigned around 30 products to render, but since I'm leaving, the list is being transferred to him. As these products are large-ish machines, they do take a bit of time to get looking right. I can set up a file ready for render in under an hour, usually about 30 minutes depending on the build. It takes the trainee close to a day, if not longer, which is fair for someone without experience. I've spent three weeks training him, he knows the software relatively well now, it's just practice to become efficient and proficient. He asked me today to do one last demo from start to finish so he can watch me. I asked him to pick a product and I'll go through it with him. He picked one from the list. These products are often completed assemblies and usually need extra parts added. He made no effort to gather these parts. I had to find it for him, which was my first red flag. As I'm going through my setup, he was paying less and less attention to what I was doing. He wasn't asking questions to my process, and the majority of that time was looking at his phone. Towards the end, I ran over briefly my setup. I explained a few extra technical details about the lighting and material sample rates to improve lighting quality. I concluded by asking, does all of this make sense? Do you have any questions? He replied to these questions, yes and no, respectively. Are you sure? He replied, yes. I closed the program and deleted the file in front of him, even from the recycle bin, and told him, now it's your turn to practice. You're never going to learn just by copying me. If you were training a person like this and it was very clear they weren't taking it very seriously and probably intended to use the work that they had claimed was for training purposes, would you also just want to delete it and not give that to them? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is from Pamdemic Kate, PTO Wars. Sorry, first come first serve. The other day I was hanging out with a neighbor friend. We were complaining about other parents, coworkers, other neighbors and ways we only wish we could get petty revenge on them. You know, things like X-Lax brownies, constantly readjusting their chair, stealing their pens, etc. Neighbor's husband overheard us and got really excited about a petty revenge he executed a few weeks ago and gave my permission to post the story here. Neighbor's husband works at some sort of global logistics company. Due to the nature of their work, only one person could be on vacation at a time, first come, first serve. There's only about 20 people in his division, so it's not usually a problem. Only a small number of them have kids, so it's a bit of an unwritten rule to give priority to those with kids. 
Obviously, it's not enforced, but as I said, most of them don't have kids. Most of his co-workers don't mind taking their vacation, January to February and September to October. But of course, there's always that one person that does not give two poops about anyone else. We'll call her Shelly. Neighbor's husband said he swears she goes out of her way to schedule her vacations and days off when the kids are out of school. Neighbor's husband's grandfather turns 93 this year, and like most people that age, his health is not the greatest. For spring break this year, he wanted to go out of town and visit him for what could be the last time. At the beginning of the year, he put in the request for that week off, but gets denied because Shelly had put in for that time off a few days prior. Neighbor's husband knows he's pretty much SOL, but he reaches back out to HR and asks if he could offer to give Shelly some of his PTO in exchange for that week. Shelly responds back to HR nastily, It is my vacation time. First come, first serve. There is nothing on this earth that'll stop me from using my PTO. Fine, fair is fair. He then planned for his wife and kids to visit his grandfather without him. But leading up to spring break, Neighbor's husband was getting more and more annoyed with Shelly. She was constantly bragging about the cruise she had planned, what she and her boyfriend planned to do, how expensive this cruise would be because of which cruise line they were taking and how they had a fancy room. She talked about it every single day whenever Neighbor's husband was within earshot just to rub salt in the wound. If you don't know, a lot of cruise lines require a PCR COVID test 48 hours in advance. If you're positive, no cruise for you. Surprise, Shelly tests positive. She asked HR if she could change her PTO to sick leave, but all HR did was throw back her words at her. Sorry, you told us that there was nothing on earth that will stop you from using your PTO. The icing on the cake? Because she had talked so extensively about this cruise, neighbor's husband knew pretty much everything about this trip. A couple weeks before Shelly was expected to leave, He looked up the dates this cruise line would be sailing out for the rest of the year and scheduled a couple days off in the middle of each cruise trip. When I asked him why, he laughed and said he hated feeling so helpless and was mad. And this was the only thing he could think of to do out of spite that wouldn't get him in trouble. So when Shelly came back from quarantine, she had tried to put in other PTO requests to make up the cruise. But of course, she was denied because neighbor's husband had put in for the dates before her. She tried to approach him about it, but all he said was, sorry, first come, first serve. I'd like to say that she learned some sort of lesson from all this, but neighbor's husband says she hasn't. Let's be real, Shelly's the kind of person that's going to try to get PTO, and if that gets denied, they're probably just going to not show up and try to get like some kind of sick note anyways. And not only that, but they'd be willing to try to justify it by saying like, it's only fair because they missed the first cruise. Our next story is from my freaking god. Don't call anyone with a disability an R-word. I was at the park today with my nephews, both age 7, we'll call them Joseph and Johnny, and they wanted to play with some other kids on the playground. One of my nephews has Down syndrome, Joseph, and he's very shy. Joseph wanted to play with Johnny and the other kids, but he was just too nervous. Johnny finally got Joseph to play tag with them, but Joseph accidentally tripped and caused another kid, we'll call him Red, to fall. To which Red yelled, stupid R-word. My poor nephew Joseph started crying, and right before I was about to get up and say something, one of the other kids playing with them, we'll call him Green, yelled, well you're the R-word, what's wrong with you? 
Green Kid helped Red Kid up on his feet and then quickly elbowed Red in the stomach, to which Red then peed his pants. Red started to cry as all the other kids were laughing. Some moms were there, and of course the Red who peed his pants and called Joseph an R-word had a very angry mother and looked like she was about to go off, but Red kept screaming for help saying he wanted to go home. Not that crazy, but very satisfying. I don't promote violence, but I appreciate the other kid for standing up for my nephew. I definitely don't condone violence either, but sometimes people do find a way to say something that you just really want to elbow them in the stomach over. Our next story is from LA King Denault 24 Newish neighbor always partially blocking my driveway. Although I can swerve around the partial blockage, I got tired of having to do it for the past six weeks. I blocked her car's forward path with my trash bin today, collection day, except I smeared some fresh slash moist shower drain waste, courtesy of the drain snake that I used this morning to unclog ours, on the bin's handles. I spread it extra thick and even, this way it's camouflaged nicely by the black plastic. She has no choice but to move the bin as another member of her household parks extra close and directly behind her car. I sat on my living room recliner, facing the window and sipping coffee to see her disgusted reaction upon touching the slimy slash gooey waste matter. I actually caught a glimpse of her gagging and nearly throwing up. I couldn't contain my giggling as I hosed the bin down, like I always do after collection. Petty success. I mean, I don't blame OP. This definitely seems like the kind of thing that's just total lack of consideration for your fellow neighbor. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Queen of the Ruses. Anyone else old enough to remember the Wild West days of Craigslist? For those too young to know, Craigslist used to have a personal section and you really didn't have to verify anything. You didn't need to create an account, give credit card info, confirm a phone number or anything like that. Just click a link they sent to your email and your post was published. Just FYI for later. Anyway, on to the petty. When I was in my late teens or early 20s, I was jogging in a local park. And this dude started pestering me. I tried to make it as clear as possible, as politely as possible, that I was not interested, but he wasn't having it. He was obnoxiously aggressive to the point where I didn't feel comfortable turning my back on him to jog away. And he wouldn't just buzz off, so I pulled out my little flip phone. I said, tell you what. Why don't you just give me your number? He says, sure, snatches the flip phone out of my hand. I'll put it in for you. Well, y'all can probably see where this is going. He didn't enter his number into my phone. He texted himself from my phone. I noticed immediately when he gave it back to me and was not thrilled, but at least he went about his business and I was able to finish my jog. But the more I thought about it, the angrier I got. And the fact that he started texting and calling me that same night, before 9pm no less, pissed me off even more, even though I didn't answer or respond. So next morning, I went to Craigslist and posted a female for male ad in the casual encounters section. Something to the effect of, hot young chick just looking for a hookup. Text me your age and location, along with a pic of what you're working with. No junk pic equals no response. And of course, I included the jerk's number. That evening, I got a lot of very angry rants via text and voicemail. Apparently, this jerk's job was one where he wasn't allowed to carry his phone on him. So, basically, he clocked out and came home to a phone full of wieners. I had to change my number after that, but it was so worth it. 
Isn't it sad that OP had to be in this situation in the first place? Getting stopped from their jog and just being made uncomfortable and then forced to text them? I think the guy definitely deserved it. Our next story is from SaltyWet247. Hold up the elevator on each floor? Enjoy stopping unnecessarily on a bunch of floors on your way down. So yesterday, I was returning home with a heavy bag of groceries. As I approached my apartment building, I saw a delivery man with a parcel trolley waiting at the door. I decided to open it for him so he could get in while I checked my mailbox. As I entered the building, I heard him get on the elevator. He must have heard me enter the building as well, but he didn't bother to hold the lift for me. No big deal, I'll just wait for it to come back down. The elevator stopped on the fourth floor and I noticed it stayed at the fourth floor for a lot longer than it normally should, almost like it was stuck. After a moment, it started moving, except instead of going down to me, it was going up and stopped at the fifth floor. Again, it was stopping for an unusually long time. It was at this point that I realized the courier must have been holding up the elevator doors with his trolley so that they couldn't close, meaning the elevator won't move on. Annoyed because I have a heavy bag of shopping, I live on the 7th floor, and we only have one elevator, I was even more incensed when I saw the elevator carry on going further up and holding at other floors. At this point I'd been waiting a good couple of minutes, so I decided to take the stairs to the 7th floor. However, I ran as fast as I could. Why? Because the elevator was coming down from the 16th floor, and on my way to the 7th floor, I pressed for the elevator on each floor I passed, so if he was holding up the lift, he could spend the extra time in them on the way down. I waited in the stairwell and listened to the elevator stop on my floor, doors open, doors close, stop on the 6th and so on. When it hit the 5th, I could just about hear the courier say, for freak's sake, as he realized no one is getting on the elevator. I was out of breath and had a good sweat going on, but it was worth it in the name of pettiness. I respect OP for what they were doing because honestly that would be super annoying. Although from the courier's perspective, I do kind of get it because imagine you go to drop one package off, you turn around and the elevator's going through like three different floors. You want to just try to get your job done, but that's not how it's supposed to work. You can't just basically own the elevator while you're doing delivery jobs. Our next story is from Fun Department 2570. I broke up with my girlfriend over ear pods today. It was awesome. My girlfriend, female 22, and I, male 25, had been dating for almost a year now. She's in university, living in university residence. I work full-time and have my own place. Her residence has some very strict rules such as no male guests aside from parents and a strict curfew. This will be important later. We're not in the US, by the way. Before the Easter holidays, a few friends and I planned a road trip. I invited her, but she declined. The day before my road trip, I decided to get some new earbuds for the trip. My girlfriend came with me to the shop. Once there, my girlfriend decided that she would like a pair of AirPods. I relented and bought her a pair and got myself some Bose earbuds since I preferred those and I don't have an iPhone. On our way back to the university, she mentioned that she liked my earbuds since they looked better than her AirPods. She took them, paired them to her phone, and started playing around with them. I didn't think much of it until she said she wanted them and wanted to trade her AirPods with my earbuds. I told her no because I didn't have an iPhone, so AirPods would be useless to me. Find out later that they work pretty well on Android, and that we can exchange hers when I get back since going back now would make her late for curfew. 
She kept insisting, saying it would make her happy. I told her I needed them for my trip in the morning, which seemed to be the end of it. We got to her residence, and as I was parking, she threw her AirPods at me and said, thanks for the trade, then jumped out of the moving car, still wearing my earbuds. I was shocked, and it took me a second to realize that she had just ran away with my earbuds. I parked and then ran after her, but I wasn't fast enough. She had already entered the building. I stood at the entrance with two very burly guards giving me the stink eye while I shouted for her to come back. She just blew me a kiss and went upstairs. I shouted a bit more until the guards very politely asked me to leave. I was livid. She had just robbed me and there was nothing I could do. I stalked back to my car fuming and cursing. However, I started laughing when I got to my car because there on the ground near the passenger side door was a lovely white box. It seems in her mad dash to run away, she had accidentally dropped the charging case. I picked it up, my day suddenly brighter, and drove back to the shop. I exchanged the AirPods and got new earbuds, then blocked her, and the next morning went for my road trip. I unblocked her when I got back yesterday, ready to deal with the crap storm and called her. At first, she was sweet, and asked about my trip. Then she asked if she had left the charging case for her earbuds in my car. I told her that I'd returned the AirPods and exchanged them for new earbuds and that since my new earbuds didn't work with my old charging case, I had thrown it away because I didn't need it. That triggered her and she started shouting at me, calling me a jerk and demanding that I get her a new pair of earbuds or we're done. I said, okay, I guess we're done, then hung up. I've been laughing ever since. I don't really blame OP, if your relationship isn't that serious, going and pulling a stunt like this where you try to steal something that is not an insignificant value item, definitely going to piss off somebody and put a real strain on that relationship, especially if it's a younger relationship. Either way, even after a year of dating, if they're going to go and try to treat you like that and get away with that, I personally would advise not tolerating that. Our next story is from Donut Clouds, throw your trash in my yard, enjoy moving, My now ex-neighbor was pretty trashy, cars sitting on blocks in the yard, cigarette hanging out of her mouth while she's nine months pregnant, blasting kid rock tunes level trashy. Well, this lady decided that paying a dollar per trash bag was just too much. Our township will only pick up your trash if it's in the approved purple bags though, so normal trash bags will just be left behind. The trash truck just drives right past them. Her solution? buy normal trash bags at the dollar store and have her eight-year-old child toss them over the fence into my yard. Now their trash is my problem. After confronting her, she just laughed. So I called the cops. They said that since the kid was so young and there was no proof his parents told him to do it, there was nothing they could do. So this went on for about four months. Me taking the bags of trash they toss into my yard, wrapping them in purple bags that I paid out of pocket for, and putting them out to the curb. Pretty freaking annoying, not to mention the extra $3 or so a week I'm spending on trash bags. I'm slowly growing to hate this woman. It was annoying at first, but I was getting mad. Mind you, I own my home and she was renting hers. So we get a hold of their landlord and I offer to buy the house for a decent amount above market value, 17%. He jumps at the offer and soon I'm the proud owner of the house next door to me. Sure, it cost me $71,000, but what price do you put on peace of mind? The very first thing I did was serve them an eviction notice in person across from that same fence they like to throw trash over. That was 31 days ago. 
As of today, the unit is empty. I don't know where they went, but there's someone else's problem now. All because she didn't want to pay for her own trash bags. I think I'm going to knock that house down and make my yard bigger. I've been wanting to put in a handball court. I mean, honestly, if you've got the money, being able to just, like, expand your territory like that might be pretty cool. And our final story of the days by Amenadiel, long as freak. I was unemployed, this guy scammed me, revenge is still pouring on him. First and foremost, this didn't happen in the US. Some events might be pursuable up there, but down here, it was mostly no man's land regarding the kind of scams I fell for. For the sake of the story, here in no man's land we use the top level domain NML. My wife is a nurse. Back then in the early 2000s, she worked in an ICU of a relatively exclusive and therefore expensive, hospital. Specifically, she had to care for patients that had undergone cardiac surgery. At the same time, I was working for a small company that was going out of business. The owners were retiring, we hadn't secured any important contracts lately, and in my country, you have to pay for employee severance, unless you file for bankruptcy, so they decided to shut down while I still had enough cash to pay our severances. One day, my wife calls me and tells me about this gentleman in his late 50s that had been on the verge of passing away. And after that close call, he was so grateful and stuff. We'll call him Benny Lowy. This gentleman happened to work in electronic imports, which gave him access to incredibly convenient deals. Long story short, he was so grateful he could sell us an LCD TV, a stored demo unit that had been used just once, and we needed to pay like one-fourth of its retail price as long as we kept quiet about it because he was risking his relation with the brand. It caught me off guard. I said yes and she paid. Anyway, the only TV in the house had been a wedding present and weighed over a 100 pounds. We were eager to replace it. I was naive, I know, but I thought, being her patient, she knew all the personal data from this guy, so it seemed unlikely that he would target her for a scam. His father was a known businessman. Now retired and approaching his 80s, Mr. Lowy Sr. was well respected in his community and wouldn't have let his son wreak havoc. Also, my wife had acquaintances in common with Benny's brother, a known doctor of another hospital. Christmas was approaching, she asked Benny, who had already been discharged and back home, for advice regarding the presents she wanted to give me, a phone. He hooked her up with the best she could think of. Now, I can't remember the exact model, but it was a Sony Ericsson flagship and it wasn't yet offered by local carriers. He had access to it because of his status as a local representative for said brand. She went with it, paid. The job position. I've said my employer was shutting down, so just for the sake of it, she asked Benny if he knew of someone needing an IT guy. Of course, he said, I'll meet your husband at this place tomorrow, etc. And there I was in a gas station, uptown. He pulled over in a luxury car. Mr. Lowy was a normal-looking guy, used a cane and had a noticeable knee or hip pain. We sat down in the gas station coffee shop, and he told me about a mid-management position, reporting to him in a mining company I'd barely heard about. He coached me on what I should say in the upcoming job interview. We spoke about salary. I was dazzled. Wait, mining? Didn't you say he was into imports? He was that kind of guy that you can't pause to question because he'd already thrown something extra to the mix. And this position had a better paycheck than the one I was being laid off from. In the next days, we had a few phone calls. Stuff looked promising. I'd already been laid off. We agreed he'd pick me up on December 24th and he'd introduce me to senior managers as the recommended help desk junior manager. 
I woke up extra early, put on my best suit, waited in the front yard. Hours went by. I had planned to be back before noon to arrange stuff for that night's dinner because my parents were coming over. After calling him repeatedly, he told me that he'd been assaulted and robbed. They took my cane and broke it on my knee, he wailed. Poor guy. I told him to forget about my interview for the time being. No, no, I promised you, I'll make it up to you. Of course, since he had been injured, he wasn't able to deliver the items my wife bought from him. That night, my mother asked me about the new job. I couldn't bring myself to tell her about the delay. I told her it was going fine. That night, I googled him. Nothing showed up except for some awards in the imports and customs associations of whatever. He called me to reschedule our interview December 31st. Again, picture me in my best suit outside my house on a summer morning. Of course, he didn't show up. When I finally reach him, he tells me that when his car had been stolen last week, they took his wallet too, which these thugs eventually dropped during another robbery. So now he had been detained as a suspect for that. He hadn't been able to pick the imported electronics on the customs office, so they had them move to another custody unit where it would take a couple of weeks to retrieve. That night we went to my parents for New Year's Eve, and my mother asked me for the new job. It's all fine, I said. I google him again, this time with variations regarding his name or the supposed company he was setting me into. Nothing much showed up, nothing shady. The next call was like a week later. He told me that because he was being involved in a police investigation, this mining company had fired him. But this was actually good, because now I was going to be interviewed to take his position as IT manager. This meant double my former paycheck and securing a position that would be a leap forward in my career. So I don't ask many questions, I was just grateful. All those delays in the end would pay off. The situation, as you've already figured out, went on and on for weeks. My interview never happened. The electronics never arrived. We had lost our money, our time, our Christmas, our hopes, and I was still unemployed and hadn't been applying for job offers since I had this one allegedly secured. I texted him somewhere in between. I texted him, why are you doing this to us? He texted back, if I wanted to, you have nothing on me, but if you stick with me, you'll be rewarded tenfold. Cue in the detective. Time went by. Eventually, my wife overhears from a coworker about this patient in another hospital she was working at. Some nurses do part-time work at other hospitals. She had fell for it too, but her husband was a detective. So a few hours later, we were filling him in the details of the scam we fell for. Asking around, he found a third nurse scammed by this guy. Soon enough, he was detained, this time for real, and admitted to have been scamming people due to an impromptu invented mild dementia. This detective talks him into an off-court deal in which he gives back every cent to us, but not my time nor hopes, in exchange for us not pursuing any legal action. This was a decent deal because us, having failed to make a written agreement on any of these purchases, had at most a weak claim to our money. By the way, the money with which he had paid us, he had to borrow from his father and some from his brother, the doctor. Remember this didn't happen in the US? This agreement is actually completely legal down here. So I made a blog. I couldn't go for any further legal action, but there wasn't a non-disclosure agreement whatsoever. And I thought, what could prevent other people falling into the scammer's lies? 
Well, perhaps some Google results? So I created a blog on WordPress.com. Think something like Benny Lowy the Scammer.wordpress.com. It was a single post in the third person telling my story. In the following days, that post's comments had a dozen stories much like mine. I made them into posts. A few of them got their comments too, telling other people's stories. In a few weeks, looking for Benny Lowy's name on Google led to this blog. In my country, you can review updates regarding court ongoing cases, except for felonies that are non-public. Searching for his national ID, which I'd known thanks to our settlement as the sued party, I could just find an eviction action due to failing to pay his condo's lease. But looking for him as the suing part, I found out he had sued WordPress.nml, our local fictionary domain, which was registered by a local guy in GoDaddy.com. Following up with the case, this guy had spent months trying to demonstrate this local guy had to take down the blog I made in the .com domain. Go figure. I was tempted then and there to set a post on the blog saying, If I wanted to, you have nothing on me. However, I've never attempted to let him know who's doing this. I just log into this blog once in a while, today was the first one in years, and keep finding, in the comments, more scammed people. All of them in vulnerable moments of their lives. Unemployed guys, small startups looking for an angel investor, small branch salespeople pursuing a promising commission. Those who have, in time, reached a compensation or agreement, it's because Benny's now ancient father had to chip in. From what they say, his brother has gone no contact. Most of the commenters leave their email addresses, and I've known of a few that have teamed with each other and succeeded in legal actions. Perhaps this is not a revenge, but it's my story. This is definitely one of those stories that you look back on and you kinda facepalm a little bit because you feel so gullible for having fallen for it, but these kinds of people that do these things, they just have a way of being so like easily charming or convincing and you just buy into it because it's just, if it's true, it would make everything so much better for you. Sadly, they're a piece of poop. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.